Production support comes from Smithville Fiber, the GigaCity Company, a philanthropic community partner since 1922 and proud supporter of numerous community organizations. More information at smithville.com. And School of Public Health Bloomington, Public Health Reimagined, addressing 21st century health challenges with a multidisciplinary approach to disease prevention, health promotion, and enhancing quality of life publichealth.indiana.edu. From the Melton Metz studio and I use radio TV building, this is Noon Edition on WFIU. I'm Bob Zaltzberg, editor of the Herald Times, and I'm along with co-host Sarah Whitmire, the News Bureau Chief of WFIU and WTIU. Despite the prospect of more freezing temperatures and, and a wintry mix, it's time for our annual spring gardening show. We have uh, two of our favorite guests with us today, Helen May, the retired co-owner of May's Greenhouse, and Don Adamson, the retired manager of Bloomington Valley Nursery. If you've been with us for gardening shows before, you know this is usually a very busy show. It's good to get your questions in early, and it is a a, a, a guarantee that Helen and Don will have your have the answers to all of your gardening questions. So we hope that you'll you'll give us a call today. You can uh, give us a call at eight one two eight five five zero eight one one in Bloomington. Toll free at one eight seven seven two eight five nine three four eight. You can also send us questions for the show at news at indianapublicmedia.org. You can uh, follow us on Twitter at Noon Edition, and we're live on Facebook today as well. So you have all those options. So welcome. Thanks for being here, you guys. Thank you. All Thank right. You. How was your winters? Well, we just got back from Florida, and <laughs> this is what we got. So <laughs> right. we'll have to live with it. And, uh, Helen, you didn't go to Florida. No, I've been eagerly looking forward to spring. It's a little reluctant this year. <laughs> yeah, but it's going to be great. Okay. So, so what's, this, what's this weather, this late winter weather do for um, the gardening season? Well, one thing, uh, it means that probably everything is going to pop into bloom at the same time. So, like I say, we should have a, a real gorgeous spring. Since nothing has come out yet, everything's going to come at the right time. Right. I know as as we were traveling back uh, through the south, why, they're already in bloom down there. Mm-hmm. So, uh, uh, it should be a gorgeous spring here. Helen, anything, uh, any, well, anything else we should see? just noticing yesterday that the pear tree buds are just all swelling and just about ready to pop so all it's going to take is a little mild weather and uh spring will be here mm-hmm. yeah well i want to take the opportunity so i was at an event this morning uh, i was the cook groundbreaking for uh, the general electric plant mm-hmm. and they gave away 200 little um tulip poplars oh mm-hmm. so they asked people to go home and plant them so what what's the what's the trick with tulip poplars well the main thing they're our state tree mm-hmm. a lot of people are not aware of that but uh they're our state tree that uh, they do grow very rapidly and uh, so you need to give them room okay but uh the main thing that why everybody pushes for tulip poplar is they are the state tree mm-hmm. and they're a beautiful tree they get very large so, as Don said, you should give them some room and uh, try not to plant it where you will park under it because sometimes they get a uh, scale which is not going to kill the tree but which can drop gooey stuff on your car So if you're <laughs> yeah, parked under they it. Can, so. <laughs> they can get messy. All right. So, so, so they'll be beautiful, but be careful where you, you yeah, plant Yeah, and, and the main thing is give it room because they do make a very large tree. All right. Sarah? That's what the city is giving away, a, a whole bunch of those too, right? Or for a small, they might be charging something. For the bicentennial, they're encouraging people right. to plant mm-hmm. them. Yeah, I guess it's better than the Bradford pear, you would say, right? Mm-hmm. Well, yes, the Bradford pear started out as a wonderful thing, but it turned into a, a, a baddie. Uh, when I, th- I think it has a, a worse reputation than it really should have because they have new varieties now that are much better than the ones we started with they're they're not as susceptible to the breakage and such that we had 
and uh, I, I still think say some of the newer varieties of pear are good trees. Mm-hmm. What do you What do you think, Helen? Well, the main problem with them is that the birds are spreading them uh-huh. everywhere, and they're that is becoming true. an invasive uh-huh. problem. And now, I assume the original strain, if if we'd only had it, wasn't it supposed to be? Uh, not fertile or something so well the the original bradford did mm-hmm. have a fruit now yeah. a lot of the newer ones do not have a fruit so, so try the, to yeah try to get one that doesn't produce fruit right so that the birds will not spread it so much we have a, a question that's come in already and uh, it's from kim from bloomington who said if we need to add lime to our soil what products should we use helen you want to take that Well, Don probably can tell you more uh, about what product in particular to use. Well, lime comes in several different consistencies. The the pelletized is easier to work with and uh, also will do a good job. I guess she's referring to using it on the grass. That's usually the grass does need lime in a lot of the areas here. Okay. We have a second question uh, that came in from Andrew from Bloomington. What plants are best to attract hummingbirds, preferably uh, perennials? Well, it needs to be a plant which uh, blooms for an extended period of time, or you need a wide selection of plants. And uh, Anything that's got a throat, like a uh, petunia, or even a snapdragon, the throat is looks closed, but the hummingbird can penetrate to get the nectar out of it. Um, almost, uh, I would say, uh, uh, almost any uh, flower, like a zinnia, or a now zinnias are also good for butterflies because they have a surface that the butterfly can land on. And they do usually have to land to get nectar. Uh, I would say most uh, any annual flower that has a throat, rather than being totally flat, usually will have nectar for hummingbirds. And they do seem to prefer red. Mm-hmm. She asked about, um, so annuals, you mentioned a lot of annuals. Mm-hmm. How about perennials? Oh, perennials, yeah, I'm yeah. sorry, That's I okay. got sidetracked That's okay. there. <laughs> are, are there some perennials well, that work particularly well? Um, the uh, one that will work for uh, uh, hummingbirds would be, uh, again, anything with a throat. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, I particularly like to see them feeding on our uh, um, Oh, I'll find the word in yeah, just a yeah, moment. Yeah. There's <laughs> a lot of them. We have some penstemons, some native penstemons uh-huh. that they seem to like. Now, these are fairly tall and they're whitish. The colored penstemons I find difficult to keep alive, but mm-hmm. the native one is good. Mm-hmm. Uh, the uh, uh, Again, I keep going back to annuals because they like them so well. Four clocks, for instance, are, are very good. Uh, I would say uh, even the shrubs, uh, some of the viburnums and such as that have mm-hmm. have a throat on the flowers that uh, they like. All right, so uh, Andrew, you can uh, check those out. All those different different varieties, and sounds like annuals might be your your best bet. But um, there are some perennials too. Let's talk about a spring gardening checklist. I'm just curious, both of you, um, Don, maybe what's on your checklist for spring? Well, one of the first things, now we've had such a drastic winter that we may get some winter damage on plants. So that's gonna be kind of one of the first things to check some of the broadleafed evergreens, the holly, the azaleas and such, but don't be too quick to up and throw them out. If they don't, uh, they may not bloom properly. The azaleas may not bloom properly this spring after a winter like we had. But let them go uh, a month or so. And in in most cases, they will go ahead and leaf out. So often people say, well, this got frozen back and it's done for. And they pick them up and throw them out. Don't, don't be so quick to do that because uh, this is one of those winters where 
we very possibly will have some winter damage on plants, but still the plants will survive. And often you can give them some good fertilizing and uh, even though they don't look good to start with, give them a month or so to come back and, and fertilize them. And uh, that's the main thing. People, I feel, are too quick to give up on a plant. Yeah. What kind of fertilizer would you use? Well, use a, a plant one for plants. Uh, it would probably be uh, a general purpose fertilizer and uh, with something even like 12-12-12, but uh, uh, would work, but don't, uh, don't use too strong and nitrogen will initiate growth and that's that's going to be what you're after to start with uh, but but like i say don't, don't be too quick to give up on them we have uh, kim's back with a, a question another question about lime i think she she wanted to follow up with what about lime for gardening soil well now many of your gardening plants don't like too much lime so uh, if she test had the soil tested, uh, the, then the uh, the grant the uh, pelletized is easier to work with, like I say, and uh, and will do a better release job. You can get just the powdered lime, but it's it's a mess to work with, and the pelletized will do as good a job or better. But uh, but don't get too excited with the uh, the garden. If you if you have not had the soil tested, uh, in a lot of cases they don't really need the lime. Mm -hmm. uh, I've found very often that applying lime in the autumn uh, is a good idea because it takes a while to have an effect. Uh, so you might want to get your soil tested and. Uh, if it needs a lot of lime, uh, you or any lime, <laughs> you might think about uh, applying it come fall. All right. We're answering all of your gardening questions today on Noon Edition. We have Helen May, the retired co-owner of May's Greenhouse, and Don Adamson, retired manager of Bloomington Valley Nursery. They're with us twice a year, have been for many years, and uh, we know it's a busy program. Let me give you the phone numbers again, 812-855-0811 or toll-free at 1-877-285-9348. You can also send us questions for the show at news at indianapublicmedia.org and follow us on Twitter at Noon Edition. Can I get your spring gardening checklist too, Helen? Well, of course, first thing is to clean up the rack and ruin from winter. And uh, if you have plants that you normally keep mulched, you want to kind of loosen up the old mulch and apply a little new to help keep the weeds down. And that also helps with the moisture supply over the summer. Uh, you want to clean the trash out of things like daylilies that have a lot of dead foliage but are coming up. Uh, and uh, of course, rose pruning will come up very soon. And the main thing with your rose pruning is uh, don't wait, to, don't uh, do it too early uh, when the buds begin to swell a little so you can tell what's alive and what isn't. Generally, sometime early April is a good time. Uh, you want to cut out anything that winter killed that's dead. And then you want to, if you've got a lot of twiggy cross growth and so forth, you want to kind of open up the center a little bit. And this is a good time to uh, make a spring application of fertilizer and then go ahead and remulch. Uh, your perennials, you want to clean out dead material, uh, any leaves that have accumulated. Uh, and again, if you mulch, uh, now's the time to to get that going before you get a big crop of weeds up. Uh, those are the first things to do, I think. We have a Twitter question. Before we get to that, I just have a quick follow-up in pruning because personally I know I always mess this up. Mm -hmm. It's the flowering bushes like forsythia you're not supposed to prune right now, right? Right. You want okay. anything that blooms in the way of shrubbery very early. You don't prune it until after it blooms. And the things that bloom late, like Rose of Sharon, you should prune this spring because they will bloom on the new growth that is made during the summer. 
Okay. I always mess that up. My poor forsythia never stand a chance. Uh, <laughs> a lot of people cut off all the forsythia flowers. I do that. It's never bloomed. It's bad. Um, a question from Barbara. She says, I have a magnolia tree in my front yard that was just starting to bloom before the show. It hasn't bloomed the past two years. Is there anything I can do to help the process, or is it just left up to Mother Nature? This light, you just you just have to go with it. But with the freezes and such that we've had, uh, it's going to mess up some of those. But uh, one thing for the future on magnolias, if you fertilize them in the fall because they set their buds in and use a phosphate fertilizer in the fall, this, this will help to get more flowers in the spring. But it needs to be done in the fall. Like I say, right now, it's up to Mother Nature. You just got to roll with it at this point. All right. We have our first phone call of the day now. So John is on the line. John? Yes. Go right ahead. So um, I have a big challenge growing uh, pepper plants and um, uh, eggplants. And it seems like uh, they need magnesium, and I really don't know what my problem is with the eggplants, but uh, I have to put, like, magnesium down for the pepper plants to bud and and, uh, bear fruit. Um, Is that my challenge, or what do I need to do to grow these two plants successfully? Have you had your soil tested? No. That's probably your first bet, uh, is to get, get a soil test and see if something besides magnesium is uh, missing. Um, well, I put, magne- I put magnesium down. Like, I grind up uh, uh, supplemental pills because I can't find magnesium at a garden store. Um, and it seems to help them bud and, and, and bear fruit, uh, at least the pepper plants. I don't, know, I don't know what my problem is with the eggplants. Well, again, uh, you may have some serious soil deficiency, and, and I would try to have it tested if possible uh, to give you some idea how to proceed. Now, what happens with the eggplant? Do they grow and flourish, or do they just kind of sit there kind yeah. of stunted? And they, they end up dying before they bear fruit. Okay. Um, your pH might be wildly off. Do you grow good tomatoes? Yes, great tomatoes. Great tomatoes. All right. You Really, uh, eggplant and tomatoes are both uh, the same family of plants, and right. you, so I suspect there's something wonky about your soil, and you may be a, a, a good test. You might uh, you might want to do that so, before you do anything else, because I don't so know I mean, why one would thrive and not the other, unless right, it's some I mean, odd. And this so year, I mean, this year particularly. I'm sorry. This year, particularly, yeah, in particular, I seem to be challenged with. Don't get them planted out in the weather too soon. Yeah, eggplant should not be uh, stressed by putting it out when it's too cool. Uh, yeah, no, I've never had a problem with that. It's more, it's it's been more toward. Um, I always go with the theory of um, after Mother's Day. So. Well, uh, certainly after Mother's Day, or maybe another week. Uh, on eggplant. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's not been a frost. It's not been a frost issue. I mean, I've I've tried it for three years and and not gotten a single eggplant. So, t- talk a little bit more about your your issue with peppers. So, what's happening there? Uh, they don't like to bloom unless I put unless I grind up magnesium and spread it around their roots. Has have you been using the same soil for several years for these plants to get them started? Or do you have you um, have you used come up with some new soil? I I I use uh, what's in the bed, and then I supplement it with um, compost, and then I buy like composted manure and stuff like that. I suspect you need a test. <laughs> yes, it's just what, that if what, the what, would I be, what am I short on though? I mean, what do these plants want that I'm short on? Well, I'm I'm not sure. They generally just want what everybody, all the other, if your eggplant and your tomatoes are growing differently, you need to find out why, because normally both would thrive in the same soil. Right. And I suspect I like that. that you may have a, a 
either a serious shortage or a, a way too much of something. Yeah, but nothing in particular. Uh, I don't know enough about soil chemistry to tell you that, but uh, normally, if if you're growing good tomatoes, you should th- your eggplant should thrive. What kind of what kind of, who would do a test or what kind of test do you do? Well, you could go to the uh, uh, where's the office down there on South. Yeah, extension. Oh, the Purdue Extension Office, office yeah. uh, would be your best bet, uh, probably. All right. I'll give it a try. Okay, John. Mm-hmm. All right. Thanks a lot for the call. If you have questions or comments about gardening, you can give us a call at 812-855-0811 here in Bloomington. Toll free, 1-877-285-9348. You can uh, send us email to the show, uh, news at indianapublicmedia.org from wherever you are. And you can also follow us on Twitter. We're going to take a short break and then we'll be right back. the Milton Metz studio at IU's Radio TV building, this is Noon Edition on WFIU. Production support comes from Smithville Fiber, online at smithville.com, and IU School of Public Health Bloomington, online at publichealth.indiana.edu. WFIU News covers South Central Indiana and the state throughout the day at WFIUNews.org and on Twitter at WFIU News. You can watch unfiltered video of breaking stories on Facebook Live. And you can get a digest of all the day's top stories delivered to your inbox each afternoon. It's a free and easy way to stay on top of the headlines, plus the in-depth audio, video, and print news stories you can't find anywhere else. Subscribe right now at WFIUNews.org. I muffed that first one. I You're, just blanked. We're all right. We're, we're <laughs> back on. We're back on Noon Edition. I'm Bob Zaltzberg from the Herald Times. We have Sarah Whitmire, News Bureau Chief, WFIU and WTIU. Helen May, who actually is answering all the questions in a, in a fabulous way. As she's a co-owner, was reti- is a retired co-owner of May's Greenhouse. And Don Adamson, the retired manager of Bloomington Valley Nursery, are here. They're answering all your gardening questions. It's our spring gardening show. So if you have questions or comments, please give us a call at 812-855-0811 or toll free at 1-877-285-9348. You can send questions to Twitter at Noon Edition, and you can also send questions to the show at news at indianapublicmedia.org. And also, if you want to check us out on Facebook, we are live on Facebook. All right. I guess we should go to a Facebook question first here, Bob. Uh, Amy from – she lives in Georgia. She says, my biggest challenge is vegetables. I grow in containers and in the ground. Mostly my cucumbers struggle with powdery mildew, and my tomatoes get attacked by pests. I need a safe option for organic gardening to prevent this. Oh, boy. (laughs) What do you think, Helen? Well, the mildew, now, I'm not an expert on organic gardening, but uh, I've been told that you can spray, and you don't try this in a small way, uh, for mildew with... uh, a milk solution, some milk and water and spray on as a preventative. But I would try it in a small way because I don't know what effect it would have on cucumbers. Um, There is a master gardening group that might be able to uh, help you out, and I don't know how exactly to contact them, but um, uh, they might be able to tell you what to do that now what kind of pests are the tomatoes bothering what are they worms Uh, she just says my tomatoes get attacked by pests by pests well uh, you would want to use some kind of an organic uh, insecticide spray and I 
Again, I've been out of this for 10 years. I don't know what the most current advice would be. I suspect if you would call uh, almost any of the local nurseries that sell right. tomato Check. plants, that they could recommend something to Check you. Check with, uh, with the local garden centers. Uh, mm -hmm. they're, they're more up to date. Helen and I came through it when organic was just getting started. So, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, check with uh, the, the garden centers, and they'll be more up to date on what you need. All right. We really appreciate the, the Facebook question. Now we're going to go to the phones again, and Troy from Bloomington is on the line. Troy? Real quick about the caller uh, that was trying to figure out what was going on with his, um, his pepper and nightshade varieties. Um, it sounds like he has a sun issue, and also he may not be rotating the location. Blooming uh, is very dependent on uh, enough sunlight. Um, but uh, my question specifically is, uh, I had to cut down a whole bunch of silver maples, and now I want to plant some new trees, and I was just wondering if you had any suggestions for the best uh, shorter fruit and nut trees that will do well in this area. I don't have that big of a yard, and I really want to stay away from the house and trimming branches. So I'm, I'm looking for stuff that's not very tall, but I do want to get some sort of benefit or, or production out of these plants. Are you more interested in production or, the, or shade for the trees? Oh, shade's not a big thing for me. Um, I, I I don't like too much shade because I have garden garden areas, but um, I I do like the idea of trees. I grew up in the woods. I don't I don't really want to have just a bunch of grass that I have to mow all the time. But more of the native trees, because serviceberry is a great native tree that a small uh, tree that we use a lot. And uh, even the, the red bud, but they they won't have a have a fruit. You might try some persimmons. They bear very freely. You will have to have a male and a female tree because the sexes are different, and the 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 female usually will not bear any fruit without a male in the vicinity. They generally will top out. Uh, I've seen them bigger, but they generally top out. 30, 40 feet, something like, maybe a little less. But they're very slow. They're slow to get going, but um, they can bear quite heavily. Uh, you can buy pawpaw starts, but they, uh, again, you're going to have more than one tree to get uh, any kind of fruit set. Uh, and sometimes they just refuse to set any fruit. <laughs> um, the, uh, you might try some dwarf fruit trees, maybe some cherries. Um, and you'll have to fight the birds for the fruit, but they do bear quite freely, and you can get them all the way from something that'll top out at 10, 12 feet to something a little bit larger. Um, so I'm trying to think what else might be smallish that would... Uh, uh, are, are there any nut trees that grow here well i mean also you might get some uh, native if you can find some native filberts they make a shrub rather than a tree but um they do grow in this area and they are quite uh, quite hardy uh again you may have to fight the deer and the squirrels for them but uh, uh they are productive if you want to uh, Something a little larger. I the I can't think of any uh, real fruit trees, and most nut trees get quite large. Um, you know, black black walnuts or hickories, and they would take a long time to produce. Um, you might check over different kinds of uh, dwarf fruit trees uh, if you want some produce as well as some shade. I would kind of stay away from apples because they are so prone to diseases. Okay. Don, any other ideas? Not really. Yeah. The, uh, the apples uh, have to be sprayed and such and often end up as a messy tree. Mm -hmm. So uh, 
keep that in mind because they do need to be sprayed. And talk a little bit about black walnuts, too, because I know there have been various times when you've, you've talked about, you've sort of cautioned people about those. Here. Well, people, black walnuts have been pushed over the years as for wood, actually, and uh, they are end up, in most cases, just being a messy messy tree and they grow very slowly so you know don't expect much out of the wood for many many years because uh, uh, it's years and years and you have to put up with uh, the nuts that that are mostly uh, messy well Uh, and also they there's some plants will not grow under or close to a black walnut uh, I know tomatoes and beans and that sort of thing don't want to be close to one at all uh, because of the chemical that the roots put out. Right. So you, if you grow the walnut, they almost have to be by themselves. All right, Troy, I hope you've gotten uh, a couple of ideas. I have. Thank you. All right. Thanks for the call. Our phone numbers again, 812 Toll-free, 1-877-285-9348. You can also send us questions for the show at news at indianapublicmedia.org. You can find us on Facebook today. We're live, and you can follow us on Twitter at Noon Edition. We only have about 20 minutes to go in the show, so if you have questions for spring gardening, now's the time. I have an email question from Amy from Bloomington. First, she says, I love this show. And her question, what plants enjoy coffee grounds? Well, almost anything that likes an acidic soil, uh, you might try it in your, you know, your azaleas and rhododendrons and, and any, any plant that uh, normally you would feed with an acid plant food. Um, you could use them in reasonable amounts uh, in your compost so that they're diluted a little bit and uh, they would be fine. Uh, I would not just pour them heavily on plants that that require a a more neutral soil, but uh, almost anything acidic, blueberries. uh. Do pine trees, those kind of things like coffee grounds? Pines pines would be all right, most evergreens. Most of your trees like that Mm -hmm. uh, do like acidic uh, soil, and so uh, it certainly wouldn't hurt any of them. Okay. And then we got a follow-up from Amy from Georgia saying it's worms that are getting the, to the tomatoes before they ripen. Okay, you've got to hand-pick those dudes. <laughs> uh, pick him off, drop him on the ground, and step on him. <laughs> it, uh, that little horn on the end will not sting you. Uh, he's, uh, uh, my sister took, I think, close to 200 off our tomatoes last this summer. Normally, we don't have that kind of a uh, of a problem, but you know, it's just a few here and there. Now, there are some other. There is another worm that can eat the fruit. Uh, usually, they work at night, and I haven't seen them. And about all you can do is just keep the tomatoes sprayed with something that will keep the worms away. Um, but the the big green tomato worms, they're sluggish. They're easy to, they're hard to see on the green leaves, but you just pick those dudes off and do them in. (laughs) What about those worms that make the web in trees? Well, the... the, Like caterpillar things? Yeah, the tent caterpillars. Is there anything to do to prevent those? Not really. The eggs are in there from year to year. And the, the main thing is they really don't hurt anything that much. They get messy, but, and they'll eat some of the foliage off the trees, but not really enough to hurt the trees. So the, the tent caterpillars really don't damage the plants enough to hurt them at all. So some of the leaves will, it'll be fine. Right. They, they'll eat some of the leaves off, and they look messy and look bad. But uh, as far as hurting the plants, they're, they're really not going to hurt them that much. And if you really can't stand them and it's low enough, if you get you something like a, a pole, a, a, a long stick, and just wind that net up on the mm. end of the stick, and again, you, you can burn it or step on it or whatever, 
that'll thin them out so tremendously that they won't do nearly as much damage. But that's an, an, uh, an aesthetic thing, not uh, the, right. the trees being really hurt. Helen, you mentioned blueberries before, and, and I was just wondering about, you know, in our area, you know, strawberries, blueberries, raspberries, are there, you know, people grow them from time to time, right. and there are places where you can go pick them. But if, if somebody was just a, you know, a person who had a little bit of land and wanted to have a couple of those plants, what's the best thing to do? Well, blueberries are very, a very good uh, plant for this area. It's, it's a nice decorative plant, as well as the varieties they have now produce lots of fruit. So um, uh, blueberries are my favorite, and you don't get stuck like you do with the blackberries. So uh, <laughs> strawberries, of course, are very are very seasonal, and uh, also will will produce fruit very well in this area. So that's a good one to grow. And uh, and the blueberries are my favorite because they're they're very attractive plant as well as have having the fruit. Any tips for how to make them uh, work at work the best? Well, the blueberries do better. They need an acidic soil, so you want to work in a lot of organic material, and you want to feed them with an acid fertilizer when you feed. Uh, and any of the fruits like that, you, you don't want them. They need sun. To produce good fruit. Yes, they are. Don's right. That's that's uh, very so, important. So put them in a sunny area. That's the, the most important. And like Helen said, with the uh, the acidic soil for the blueberries. And the deer would eat any of those, right? Yeah. Well, the spoil birds, sport. I'm just saying. Well, the birds, <laughs> the birds will eat the blueberries. Unless you put nets, put nets over, over or something, or something oh, okay. like that. And uh, the blueberries turn a nice, uh, brilliant red in fall. They're an attractive plant and uh, shrub-like, so you could plant them almost anywhere that you have the mm-hmm. right sun and soil. Mm-hmm. Uh, the strawberries, uh, there are a number of things that like to eat strawberries, so you'll have to... Uh, expect to lose some of those. Another idea for strawberries is they can be used as a ground cover around your other shrubs and trees. The strawberries make a real nice ground cover. Mm-hmm. That's a good idea. We have a question from Claire from Bloomington says, my tomatoes and cucumbers get fungus after bearing the first few fruits. What do I do to stop this? The main thing is be careful. Careful with the watering. Don't keep them too wet. But uh, some of the, the newer varieties are less susceptible to uh, fungus problems, too. So be careful of the varieties you get and get ones that are, that are resistant to fungus problems. So what if it's just rain? I mean, if you can't really control for that. Right. Well, about all you can do is kind of spray between rains with a fungicide. And again, we are a little outdated on organic fungicides, so you should check with your local garden center on, on what you might use. Is there a tomato variety you would suggest? I'm not that familiar with the newer varieties. I think they grow over 70 or 80 varieties at the greenhouse. Really? And I wouldn't know. Some of them are very old varieties that aren't particularly. And they, they have, uh, there's a... Uh, means of, uh, they put a, toma- a tomato listing on, on uh, I'm having trouble saying this, um, with initials for various problems that the tomatoes are immune to. And if you will check the uh, signage or the tags, that may well list which ones are more susceptible or which ones are more resistant to several okay. diseases. Because the varieties, they keep coming out with new varieties all the time. And I'm just not up on the varieties. Sure. If something like tomatoes or we've talked about cucumbers, eggplant, is it too late to try to start those kind of things from seed now? Or it's not too no. late. Because if you want to start them inside. If you're, if you're not after the, you know, the very first possible ones. Uh, uh, actually, eggplants shouldn't be planted out until mid-May anyway, and uh, the uh, tomatoes, that's not too late to plant tomatoes by any means, and cucumbers. 
Again, don't, quick. don't, don't be too quick because yeah, this weather this spring is <laughs> very unpredictable. We have a question that's come in about uh, the summer, looking ahead to summer and the, the possibility that it's going to be very dry and hot because of El Nino passing. Is there anything you can do to prepare for a hot, dry summer? Mulch. Mulch. That's uh, that helps to preserve moisture, uh, and it helps it to soak in when you get some moisture. Uh, and if you do find you have to water, don't water every day, but water deeply when you water, and try to water either very early in the morning or at a time of day when it's not blazing hot. Don't water in the evenings. And the earlier you can get trees and shrubs in the ground so that they can get uh, get the roots down before it gets too hot and dry. So the earlier you can get your shrubs and trees in, the better off you will be. Now, I know, I, th I think I've, I'm sure I've asked this question before about mulch, but you see all sorts of mulch varieties and colors and everything out there. Is there, is there a particular real difference in mulches, Don? Well, there, the, the main difference is the look. Mm -hmm. uh, the mulches, uh, the regular hardwood is still used more than any others. Uh, it will decay uh, as all of them will. Many of the colored mulches, though, you need to watch because uh, they're not even bark. In many cases, they're a colored wood product, which will not last as long as, as bark mulch. But the, uh, the best mulch is a bark mulch. Uh, hardwood bark uh, will last longer. And uh, like I say, many of the colored mulches are not even bark. They're wood, which does not last as long as the bark. Well, we've kept a very steady flow of questions in, and I think we still have one or two more to answer, but we have about 10 minutes to go in the program. So if you do want to get your question in for our spring gardening show this year, you have about 10 minutes. You can give us a call, 812-855-0811 or toll free at 1-877-285-9348. Send questions to news at indianapublicmedia.org. We're live on Facebook, and you can go to Twitter at Noon Edition. Sarah? A question about bulbs. Is now a good time to start planting those? Well, it depends on the kind of bulbs. The bulbs that are tender, that don't last through the winter, this is the time to plant. Uh, you can also plant lilies at this time. In fact, for lilies, the sooner you plant, the better. Um, this is not the time to plant hardy bulbs like tulips and daffodils and so forth unless you buy started plants and put them in the ground. Uh, those go in in the autumn. Uh, you can start as soon as the bulbs are available. You can start planting those in the fall. What, what about just what about flower seed? If you had the wildflower mix kind of things, is this a good time to just throw that out? No. Well, if you can, if the soil is in a condition that can be worked. And you can get a make a nice, a decent seed bed. Uh, most of those. Again, the sooner the better, because, yeah. because the dryness often gets to those, and they're often in places that are difficult to to keep watered. Now, some of those mixes have a lot of annuals in them. If you want a permanent planting, you should check the contents, uh, what seeds are actually in the mix because some will have more perennials than others do. All right, we have a couple of phone calls, so Travis is gonna be next up. Travis? Yeah, hi. Um, I had heard you talk earlier about um, planting certain garden plants near walnut trees, and I had that very issue uh, with tomatoes, and I just recently started learning about that. Um, and it, it is a sunny spot in my yard. It's the best spot to plant, uh, but there are some walnut trees off to the side, and. Do you have any recommendations on what kind of garden plants are okay with the acidic of the roots of the walnut trees? Well, there are lists that all the garden centers, I think, have available, and you, it, you need to check the list. That's, that's the best recommendation, but because it's secreted by the roots, it's not 
doesn't have anything to do with the top, but the roots are the, what secretes the acid. And and the, the best thing is to get a hold of that list, and it's very specific. Okay. Well, thank All you right. very much. All right. Thanks a lot for the call, Travis. And now we have Kathy from Bloomington on the phone. Kathy? Hi there. Um, I have several uh, winterberry hollies, Ilex verticillata. I have males and females, um, so I should have really good berry set, but I don't. Um, do you have any ideas about that? Usually they're very easy to get berries. Uh, they may have the wrong males. Yeah, there are, uh, there are different varieties right. within the winterberry, and some pollinate some varieties and others it takes a right. different male so uh, yeah, i have i have both southern gentlemen and jim dandy so they uh, theoretically they should right they should work but now but one i was wondering go ahead i'm sorry one thing it's important to make sure that they are that the, the soil is acidic and uh, make sure that in the fall when they're that, uh, see if they flower in the spring do not feed them too much with uh, uh, nitrogen fertilizer because if, if they get too much nitrogen fertilizer in the spring, it will keep them from flowering so they will not uh, get pollinated. Okay. And they, be they sure. Like, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, you go ahead. I'm just going to say be sure they have enough sunlight. If they're in real yeah. shade, they won't set much fruit. Yeah, I think they flower like crazy, and I do get some fruit. It just falls. It falls earlier. They fall earlier, and they're just not nearly as. Um, That's uh, very unusual if if you see them flowering, and sounds yeah. like sounds like they're not getting pollinated somehow. Okay, and it could also be that the birds are getting to them before I <laughs> before I really notice how many berries there are. Mm -hmm. But I, I usually have lots of green berries, but they seem to fall off. Mm. That's so very I'll, unusual. I'll keep trying. So about soil acidifying, do you recommend sulfur or aluminum sulfate? Either one. The, the aluminum sulfate has sulfur in it. Sulfur is right. the, the key uh, acidic agent. So, All right. But either Thank one so should much. All right, Kathy. Thanks a lot for the call. Sarah? We have a question from Facebook. Alice Sharp says, I really like the herb rue for hosting butterfly caterpillars, and because it's usually deer resistant, what are some other, yeah, she's, she's saying, what are some other deer resistant plants for attracting butterflies? Mm. <laughs> what Crashing was, silence. What was that? What was the name of the one that she talked about? Rue. And what's what's? It's an herb, uh -huh. uh, nice uh, silvery, pale blue foliage, and uh, uh, a yellow bloom, and it's a good what's grower. The butterfly the, bushes. The, the deer or, don't uh, like it. Mm -hmm. The deer don't eat the butterfly bush either, right? Not, right. not yeah. bad. Yeah, that's a larger. It's generally a larger plant, but uh, regular butterfly bush. Uh, what's do you know the Latin name for that? I've forgotten. What? Budleia, yes. Uh, you can get it in different colors, and you can get smaller Yeah, there, there are dwarf varieties. Um, they need a sunny situation, but they are quite good for uh, butterflies, and the deer do not molest them. At least they don't at my house. All right. Okay. I, I have a question related mm -hmm. to Holly. I... I planted a couple of them, and um, I, I probably got it wrong, but I thought we said on this show that deer wouldn't eat them. But do deer eat them? Because mine oh, yeah. are just little twigs. They're, they're not one of the deer favorites. But uh, in some situations, if the deer do not have uh, one of their favorites to eat, they will eat the holly. Yeah, I want to warn you, the deer eat my yucca plants. So uh, it depends on what, what they What's have learned available. to eat and what they like uh, or will eat they've stripped my ewes to the bone um will those come order. out will usually should i just throw it out or okay usually they'll recover if except year after year after year it may cause them to decline and eventually die out you might put uh, some deer spray on them in the fall yeah 
It's I, hard I, to remember. I didn't. That's my fault because I thought these are safe. And <laughs> <laughs> the last, we have a couple minutes to go. In the last couple minutes, if if we do get another storm, and you know they're talking about, they've been talking sort of off and on about another snowstorm coming through. I mean, what effect is it likely to have? The snow is re- often not a problem. I mean, it adds moisture. This year particularly, uh, most of the plants haven't started coming out, and the, 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 the snow does not mean it's cold necessarily. But uh, the snow, like they're forecasting, they're saying the temperatures are going to be warm enough that the, the snow won't hurt. It's the, it's the cold temperatures. If we get colder temperatures, that's what's going to cause problems. But most of the plants are still dormant. Mm-hmm. All right. We are out of time. I want to thank you both. It's always a pleasure to have Helen May and Don Adamson in the studio. They are so knowledgeable and know so much about gardening, and we're just blessed to have them come in with us twice every year. So I want to thank them for thank that. And for It's always fun. It's always a good time. For Sarah Whitmire, who always gets her gardening questions answered. <laughs> Although we had a lot, a lot of people on here today, so Sarah may, may still have some I questions list. after the show. <laughs> after the show, uh, for Mike Pashkash, our engineer, and we've had two producers today: Angelo Batistos in the studio or in the uh, the control room, and Becca Costello has been here in the studio with us, helping us with Facebook. I'm Bob Zaltzberg. Thanks for listening. Noon Edition is a production of WFIU and the Herald Times. A podcast of this and other WFIU programs is available at WFIU.org. Production support comes from School of Public Health Bloomington. Public Health Reimagined, addressing 21st century health challenges with a multidisciplinary approach to disease prevention, health promotion, and enhancing quality of life. Publichealth.indiana.edu. And Smithville Fiber, the Gigacity Company. Fiber Internet, HD, and digital IPTV in southern Indiana. More information at smithville.com.